Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes, where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Thrilled to be with you here. Uh, we've got another Monday, best Monday of our lives so far, June 15, 2020. Uh, time for a spiritual tune-up. The question I'm answering now is probably one of the most common questions I have fielded speaking all over the world on the nature of reality. And of course, my tagline, the thrust of everything I share, is that our thoughts unfailingly become the things and events of our lives. Thoughts become things. Thoughts become things. End all, be all, no mitigating factors, not God, not demons, not karma. I've talked about all of this in my earlier spiritual tune-ups. Uh, the archive is below. Um, so, with that being my main thrust, people not only fear their own negativity, but I've established you're so inclined to succeed, you don't need to worry that you worry. Just do what you can to stop that negative train of fear and move forward. You're going to hit a home run. But here's the question. What about those bad influences in my life? What about those friends of mine who um, are always so pessimistic and always playing the ain't it awful game. Uh, what about my partner? I'm married to a person who thinks that I'm all rainbows and unicorns and they, they, they want me to get practical. Um, can other people, office politics comes up all the time. What about office politics? I want to soar with the eagles, but I'm surrounded by turkeys. How can my career blast off when there's so much negativity and my thoughts become things and they're influencing my thoughts and I, I feel like I'm doomed. This is the question. How or do other people's thoughts and negativity influence you and your manifestations? <clears throat> very little, very, virtually zero. You are Teflon. You are of God, by God, pure God. You're a gladiator of these jungles of time and space here to make them into a patio garden. You came fully equipped to transcend the illusions, to manipulate circumstances, to draw into your range of being people who would make you laugh, people who would make you cry happy tears, people who would inspire you, maybe some people who would challenge you. Uh, and oftentimes these people have so many great qualities, um, but they're not perfect. And maybe they have great qualities, they make you laugh, and, uh, but they, they, they're very pessimistic. Enjoy the good. Don't worry about the bad. You are not vulnerable. 
You're not a victim. You can't be brought down and no one can stop you ever from living the life of your dreams. Okay? So don't worry that you're surrounded by turkeys. If you love them anyway, or if you're forced to be with them, make the best of it. See the divine behind their eyes. Hear it in their voice. Know that they're just afraid and that you can be a light to help them find some more positivity. On your own, do your creative visualization. Have your vision boards. Maintain some positivity. Take baby steps. And they're all going to be talking about you around the, the water cooler in the office. Like, man, strength to strength. Keeps getting luckier and luckier. Must be nice. Thoughts become things and you knew it. And you didn't worry that you worried. You didn't worry about the trash that they say. Even if they get you a little bit rattled and concerned and now you're thinking about you know the economy and coronavirus because they were thinking about it ah you're still gonna crush it do your best to be positive five minutes a day will offset 18 hours of worry a day five minutes of positivity even if you fake it and self-doubt will offset 18 hours of worry a day and you're good to go now here's a really important nuance if you're married to somebody, okay, and, and I trust that you really love them or you got to be with them for, for the kids or whatever, you're making the best of it. How does that work with thoughts becoming things? Whose thoughts become things? One of you wants to live in, you know, California and the other one wants to live in Florida. You're only going to live in one place until you can buy two homes, right? So when it comes to details, Okay, details. You're going to have to compromise. Okay, what's good? What's not good? Would you rather force it and live in the state you want to live in? If that means the, the, the end of your marriage and a broken home, maybe you do. But maybe you don't. Or maybe not yet. You got to make some choices in this world of contrast and delineation and have and have not and black and white and yes or no. You're going to have to do some compromising and do it for the details. And even which state you live in is a detail. Here's where you never do it, nor would any reasonable person expect you to do it. Your happiness, settle for nothing less. Wealth and abundance, settle for nothing less. Health, healing, recovery, settle for nothing less. Friends, laughter, joy, fulfillment, creativity, settle for nothing less. You can have that and no one would ever dream that it would be reasonable to take that away from you. Now, if you have an arrangement where your partner is the breadwinner and you are taking care of the children and keeping the house and you say, I want to live in wealth and abundance, but my partner is afraid of life and needs to be wants to be practical and doesn't have any big dreams there is no reason at least in the relatively near future that you can't keep house raise kids write a book on the side start a business on the side have a part-time job on the side uh, there's times when you can't do that there might be a, a one-year period or a 10-year period we're talking about the rest of your life you're going to have that time. It's going to show up again. The kids are going to be in school one day. So from nine to three, totally kick butt. You can do it. You can do it. J.K. Rowling did it. 
She's a stay-at-home mom. Now she's richer than the Queen of England. My mother did it. She was divorced, uh, terrified. Uh, we were saving bath water to water grass in the yard with buckets. It was bad. We wouldn't run the air conditioner in Florida. Um, she went out and got a secretarial job and was raising three kids and was writing a book in the evenings and the weekends after the kids went to bed. So yeah, it might be hard briefly, briefly, but overall you can do it. So don't allow yourself to use your partner as an excuse to not move towards abundance, to not move towards fulfilling creativity, to not move. Yes, you have other priorities and you, you have to take care of those as well, but they're not mutually exclusive. Don't let those be excuses in your life. You can do it. Settle for nothing less than joy, friends, laughter, money, health, etc. Never compromise. Might not be this week. It might be next week. It might be in two years from now. But on all fronts of your life, you can be making amazing progress in the direction of the greatest life of your entire reincarnational tree. Okay? You're not vulnerable. You're all-powerful. Your thoughts become things. And you will hit a home run. Compromise on the details. Settle for nothing less than happiness. Yesterday we were talking about um, can negative people hold you back? Uh, and this is such a common question. Uh, I think I answered that. Thanks for your questions. Continue to ask them below on Facebook or Instagram. But today I'm going to shift the equation to what can positive people do for you? Because of course, while negative people cannot hold you back, you are Teflon, you are not vulnerable, you still don't want to hang out in that energy unless you love them for some other reasons. And there could be a lot of reasons. Do your best to shine your own light, create your own vibe, and you will attract more positive people. And then here's a trick. You get together, you collaborate, you mastermind, and your energy goes through the roof. Okay, so here's what I'm talking about. Um, whenever two or more are gathered, uh, you know the biblical quote, and I'll share it with you in just a minute. And I'm not somebody who carries around a Bible. I am not religious. The opposite. I'm spiritual without the religion. One requires the other, and the other spirituality. Religion requires spirituality. Spirituality does not require religion. So, But there's still jewels in all of the holy books. So I've got one up my sleeve for you uh, in just a moment. But let's kind of get there sequentially. Let's talk about the fact that our thoughts become things, okay? This is my mantra. This is what I've been preaching for 25 years even longer than me being a speaker and an author in the t-shirt business. We had a t-shirt I wrote, Thoughts Become Things, Choose the Good Ones. No other three words in the English language or probably any other language say so much about where we fit into the equation of reality creation. So how can we have any grounding, clarity, and confidence with thoughts becoming things? And then I will extrapolate that to two or more gathered in the name of the same cause. Okay, so folklore. When it comes to thoughts becoming things, there's a ton of folklore in every culture that points and hints at this power, although not necessarily naming it. For example, 
the power of positive thinking. We all know. We've all been taught about the power of positive thinking our whole life. We don't even question that positive thinking has a power. And that power comes from the thoughts beneath um, the, whatever's being imagined. The power of positive thinking comes from the fact that our thoughts become things. Boom. Uh, also in folklore, creative visualization and its use by athletes, entrepreneurs, and pretty much everybody these days. Um, references to the law of attraction, the law of resonance. This stuff has been swirling around forever and it all has legs under the table courtesy of thoughts becoming things. So there's folklore that gives us an ability to have confidence in the principle of thoughts becoming things. There's also logic. It makes logical sense. If you can deduce that we must be of God, by God, pure God, Clearly, there's an intelligence that you can deduce visible throughout the physical universe. It's This planet alone is teeming with the most extraordinary life. Hence, there's intelligence and it's not random. And if there's intelligence, that means there is a God, not of religion. And we must be of that God. In fact, time, space, and matter can't be bedrock reality. They have to be apparitions. They have to be of our mind. Again, now we're placing mind at the source of matter. Thoughts become things. So logically, we can get to there. This is going somewhere. And then there's evidence. In our own lives, we can all observe that that which you most wanted and sometimes that which you most feared has come upon me. Why? Because thoughts become things and we live it every single day. How many times have you heard some celebrity athlete or celebrity rock star or celebrity anything and they say this is all i've ever dreamed about my whole life thoughts become things and you can look at your own life for evidence of your thoughts becoming things so when it comes to thoughts becoming things alone there's folklore legend there's logic it makes sense and there's evidence we see it in our lives now let's look for those three components in the, the wisdom that there are power, there is a power in numbers. Numbers make dreams come true quicker when you are aligned. First, the folklore, the folklore, the Bible, Matthew 18, 20. I tell you truly that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you. If two of you on earth, meaning living in the illusions, agree about anything you ask for, you can do this. It will be done for you. Okay, more, folk, more folklore, very popular in the last couple of decades, is the idea of a mastermind group. I have a mastermind group every single Tuesday in my Infinite Possibility membership, which is today. Um, I get together and jam with like-minded people on truth, power, possibilities, annihilating fear. And that energy is palpable. Other folks get together. Mom, Andy, and I used to get together every week to kind of envision t-shirts growing in to what today it is today. Um, whenever two or more are together, we see it in our own lives. And then to add to the folklore, there is the team concept and the tribal concepts, tribal rituals, 
team rituals before the big game, you get together, you envision, you pray, you give thanks, you create in your mind for the whole team to see this pathway to excellence. Uh, in, in native tribes, tribal areas, you know, there, there's the, the rituals before planting. There's the rituals before the harvest. There's the rituals before any celebration or a wedding or going to war. Because we have this innate knowledge that when we get together, amazing things can happen to a greater degree than if we just tried to do something alone. Okay, so we've got folklore that supports the concept from the Bible to masterminds to rituals, the concept that whenever two or more are gathered, the power is multiplied. So now let's look at uh, logic. Does that make logical sense? Well, we all kind of falter from time to time based on our visions. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm a big dodo. Oh, it's not going to work for me. Oh, no, I can do it. I can do it. If you've got two or more going, when one falters, the other prop them up. The vision is maintained in between the, the, the laps. So you've got this cumulative energy that is always lit up in somebody's mind, in somebody's thought. It makes sense that if you're not alone, you've got a better chance of holding the vision. Number two in logic, our lives are exponentially pegged to succeed. I have already nailed that and covered that in many, many, even yesterday, of these master, these uh, spiritual tune-ups. We see there is a profound exponential increase in the likelihood of our positive thoughts becoming things over our negative thoughts. And if we get not just one person, but a group of people, that exponential goes exponential again. It just makes sense. So all of a sudden, you've got this live wire that is fed by another divine being or a team of divine beings our natural inclination to thrive is just through the ceiling, logically. Evidence. Indisputable that the biggest breakthroughs in the world, by far, come from collaborative efforts. Look at the giant churches. Look at, and those are dying these days, and it's maybe not a bad thing. Look at the giant corporations. Um, look at what communities are able to do. Look at what states or nations are able to do. Okay. The tendency is to think, well, it's just more human resources, you know, just more manpower, woman power, people power. That's not why. The reason nations can put men and women into space and to walk on the moon and to have these massive gargantuan successes and triumphs and innovations and revelations like Google is because of the power of community collective thought towards a joint aim or goal. So we see the evidence everywhere in the world. And here's a fun little piece of evidence. Many of you know who Ramtha, uh, not Ramtha, uh, Abraham, Esther channels Abraham, right? That is a collective of spiritual beings that communicate as one through Esther. Why, they've been asked, to my knowledge, 
it's because they have a greater energy and are able to coalesce and communicate and refine the word selections better in a group. I co-authored a book with Tracy Farquhar, the illuminated psychic and um, medium, and she channels Frank, a collective, another collective of energies that come through um, asked asked why because we're able to do more working together uh, sarah landon a super dear friend of mine sarahlandon.com channels the council another collective why because more can be accomplished with greater ease and faster results when minds are focused on an agreed upon desired outcome again the evidence is everywhere Two more points. Why yesterday did I say that if you're surrounded by negative people, it ain't no thing. And now I'm saying if you're surrounded by positive people, wow, through the roof. Again, because of our natural inclination to succeed, because of uh, the natural inclination of positive serving thoughts to become the things and events of our lives, where it is the opposite. It is difficult to make negative limited thoughts become the things and events of your life. If you are positive and your friends are negative, you're going to prevail because positivity prevails. And so this is why when you flip it and you look to groups and clusters and collaborations through the roof. So here's my challenge for all of you right now. Get with a bestie. Get with your parents, get with your siblings, get with, a, get with your partner, get with a group of two or more, doesn't take much, uh, and maybe have several of these. Um, we do it at tut.com, my, my small team of uh, people at business. Uh, I do it with my wife. I do it with my brother and sister still. Um, collectively, map out what it is you personally want, each of you, just you know, in a few words, and what you would jointly communitively, what you would jointly like as a community, as a collaboration. Do it, touch base at least once a week, share successes, share inspiration, remind one another of where this is going and how much fun you're gonna have, and prepare to be astounded. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, welcome to another spiritual tune-up. It is my honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you for the great questions. Uh, the question that came in today, actually two people asked very similar questions. Um, and they both pertain to relationships. One about forgiveness and the other about when to know if it's time to leave or if it's time to grow. Let me read that question verbatim. How do you know when you're challenged in a relationship for your growth versus challenged because it's not going to work and you need to let the relationship go. Hmm. Maybe we've all been there, right? Uh, I think so. First, let me preface what I'm about to share with a, a deep belief that deep down we always know the truth. We all have a built-in truth barometer. We are not naive. We sure can kid ourselves. Uh, this is temporary. This is not who they really are. Um, and on and on and on and on. But we know and we have the ability to know. We are divine. We are connected to source. We are everywhere always at once. We have a sense of the future. We have 
awareness of the past and it does nobody any good down the road to be like, I had no idea that that person could behave a certain way. Oh, yes, you did. Oh, yes, you did. I, I played that game uh, and I know. But beyond that, as if that wasn't enough, I would offer that the existence of challenges in a relationship would never be the standard through which to decide if they should be continued or abandoned or left alone or, or, or separated with love. Not challenges, but the presence or potential of love and growth. That's the only criteria that matters. Challenges in and of themselves are always an invitation to step up your game, to see more truth, to feel more love, and enjoy the rest of your life. That's what challenges are. Um, but if they can be so overwhelming and so persistent and so recurring in a particular relationship, well, that alone could tell you that there's not a lot of hope for deep love and respect moving forward, growth on both fronts, namely your life and your growth. So in that case, you can call the shots. Understand there's nothing unspiritual about ending a relationship with love in your heart. Uh, there's nothing unspiritual about ending a relationship, period. Uh, preferably, you will do it with some degree of respect for the other person and their journey. Um, so, so you can't get this wrong. And there's always going to be somebody else out there to fall in love with. And there's always going to be lessons to learn and challenges that show up. So the barometer is, is there love? Is there growth on your behalf? Or a tremendous likelihood that it is very near. Not if they change, but just as things are now, is there a tremendous likelihood that your kinship, your connection will put you in a place of happiness, joy, love, and growth? That's it. Okay. So parse that however you like. The other question was, Mike, how do you, how to forgive? Um, how to forgive a partner who has wronged you? Well, very recently in an earlier spiritual tune-up, you have to look at the index to find it, um, I spoke about forgiveness and I said that there is never a need for forgiveness unless first there was blame. Remove the blame through understanding and you don't have to forgive because you don't blame. So if you're blaming somebody else, and there may be cause to, I'm not denying that. If you're blaming those, somebody else, it's your fault. You're not, you're going to have a very difficult time forgiving. Instead, hey, you're learning lessons and I'm learning lessons. You have weaknesses, I have weaknesses. What does the future hold? How much love and connection and trust is there between us? What's the likelihood that there will continue to be love or soon to be love, growth, and trust between us. And if the likelihood is good, you're better off letting go of the past. Don't blame. Don't blame yourself. Don't blame them. It is what it is. Was there contrition? Was there an apology? Was there a heartfelt sense of I, I did wrong and I'm not going to go there again by the other person's 
um, feelings. And, and, and if that, if so, then perhaps you're in for a more loving relationship than was otherwise possible, but don't blame them. It's just, it's the wrong frame of mind for health and healing and prospering in love. It's like, look, you're all doing your best. We're all doing our best. Um, what's the prospect for love now and love in the immediate future? Let that be your guiding light. Jumbo fellow adventurers, great to be in your company and I feel your energy. Happy Thursday to everybody. Aren't Thursdays awesome? Friday's almost here. Okay, well, it's funny. No matter how spiritual you think you are, uh, even as an entrepreneur, uh, there's something great about Fridays. Uh, every day is awesome, but you know. The question posed now is how to manage anger. How to manage anger. Okay, there's a lot here. Books and volumes have been written on it. I'm just a recovering certified public accountant, but I do have something to share on this topic. Granted, I'm just scratching the surface, but it'll hopefully give you some ideas uh, to go within, to ask some new questions, to, to get a handle on perhaps anger if it's something that arises inside of you, okay? Can't handle it for anybody else, can't manage it for anybody else, I meant to say, but you can begin to get a handle on it and change everything, such as the name of the game of life. So what I'm about to say may come off a bit uh, arrogant or ignorant or naive if you're kind, um, but hear me out. Anger is one of many telltale signs that you're missing something, that you're not getting something, that you've overlooked something. And hallelujah, anger has showed up among other possibilities like depression, like frustration, like jealousy, like all those unpleasant emotions. Thank goodness it's shown up because you didn't know you were missing it. And now you have this invitation to go within. Anger always means you're misunderstand, misunderstanding some key concept about life. Now, I know that's abrasive, especially if you're anger, angry right now, you're even more angry. But let me tell you two really important points. Number one, this does not mean for a second that somebody didn't do something wrong. This doesn't mean that you weren't violated, okay? This, the, two different topics, okay? So number one, this is not to say that somebody didn't do something wrong. And number two, this is not to say that you should suppress it. If it's there, feel it, okay? Go with it, channel it, direct it. Follow the trails and the clues and the hints to go within and find out what you're misunderstanding. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But anger means you're missing something which does not imply other people didn't give you cause to be angry. Okay, I'm sure they did. Uh, and it also doesn't mean 
you know, you're wrong or you're bad because you feel it, feel it. Do not suppress it. It'll just blow up 10 times bigger later on. Okay, way out of proportion. So those are two really crucial points. So let's dig deep. What might you be misunderstanding? Somehow, this anger for it to have arisen reveals what comes to mind right away, three possibilities. Either you're seeing yourself as limited, aka without options, Okay, you don't have good options. You're angry at your partner. You want the relationship to work. You don't want to turn your back on the relationship because then you'll be all alone. Um, you have no other recourse but to blow up at your partner because you feel limited and you feel like you don't have options. You couldn't be more unlimited and you couldn't have more options. And if you think breaking up with a partner, a partner, which I'm not saying is the right thing to do necessarily, is going to mean you spend the rest of your life alone, you got to look at how hot you really are. You got to re-examine, you got to realize there are infinite possibilities for you to enjoy other relationships always. There's more fish in the sea, baby. Okay, another possible limiting belief that could trigger anger and very commonly does a sense of vulnerability, like things can happen to me, things for no good reason. Life is a random crapshoot. God is deciding what happens next. Um, I have invisible limiting self-sabotaging beliefs and I can't know what they are. And all of a sudden something shows up. You feel powerless. So you go in the attack. Um, don't feel vulnerable. You are a gladiator of eternal proportions of God, by God, pure God, here to rock and roll. You are not vulnerable. You are a gladiator. And then the other, and these are all similar, is uh, someone feeling like a victim. You know, like, you know, I was good and they are bad. You know, look, everyone's doing their best, however hard to believe that is. Everyone's good, therefore, in their own book. You know, there's a few exceptions of really um, disturbed people um, who perhaps want to do bad, but in their own warped way, they think they're doing good. Uh, don't even go there, okay? This is about you and your life and your anger management, right? So, you know, forget the victim game, forget who's good and bad, forget who's right or wrong. You want to move forward in love and joy. And you're missing something if you're seeing yourself as a victim. There are probably an endless number of other trigger points based on misunderstandings that you may have if anger is arising in your life. And it's your invitation and your responsibility to go within and figure it out. Truly, as I so often share, and as many others have shared, thanks for the waves, everybody. Um, the truth will set you free. The truth of what you're missing will set you free. And in that blink of an eye, the anger will be dispelled. But don't fake that it's gone. If you feel it, you feel it, you use it, you channel it. So while the truth will set you free, you've still got your anger. And until that truth arrives, um, Channel it in constructive directions. File a lawsuit. Call the police. Uh, stick up for yourself. Uh, anything that comes to you logically or intuitively, barring violence, that's never an answer. That, you know, that's, that's anger at a whole other level. I mean, you're blinded.
that you start going, okay, tangent, don't go there, tangent. Okay, so legal resource. Another thing to do in the meantime, while you feel anger and you're filing a lawsuit, get into truth. Uh, programs like this tune-up. Um, you know, I'm certainly not the only one who speaks of truth, and you have to suss it out for yourself. If I say something that doesn't make sense, reject it. But come to me and these tune-ups for stuff that does resonate and bring clarity to you. Go check out some other Hay House authors. Go, there's, and it's not limited to Hay House. Go out there into the world and look for truth and then go within and connect dots and bring clarity. Educate yourself. Find out what you're missing. Follow other manners of recourse to bide the time. And then big, big picture beyond this instant, these circumstances, that person, that group of people who are making you angry. Beyond that, big picture approach. Three, thring, three, thrings, three things. Peace in your mind. Peace, love, and action. Peace, love, and action need to be your guiding light. And you will not be creating circumstances nor drawing knuckleheads into your life that make you angry. Peace, which is truth. Love, which is truth. And action. Okay, Peace and love and truth all day long, but sitting on the couch waiting for Oprah to call, not going to work. Action. That's going to show you you have power. That's going to get you out in the world. That's going to foster change. Baby steps. You don't have to figure anything out. Just know that you're unlimited and show up in the world. Show up every day. Show up with your best face. Show up with your best game. Be your best. Show up early. Stay late. Say yes. Okay? Peace, love, action. And you will be ang anger free. Jumbo fellow adventurers, happy Friday! Here we go into the weekend. Uh, great to have you here. Hope you're doing super. I got another great question posted just yesterday. So thank you. On the heels of earlier talks this week about anger and challenging relationships um, is again uh, pertaining to forgiveness. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. So if this is a hot button for you, please look at some of the headings of spiritual tune-ups, which is what this is, my daily event, um, in the past two weeks, and you'll get a lot of information. But the question posed was, do you have any tools to help with forgiveness? Uh, yeah, I've got some ideas for you, and uh, I have to pr preface them by sharing what I always share, my go-to when it comes to the issue of forgiveness. And that is really big picture, kind of abrasive, very annoying, but you don't even have to go there unless you first blame. You blamed somebody. Don't blame. Okay, that's the issue. If you blame, now you need to forgive. Now, that doesn't mean they weren't a jerk. That doesn't mean they didn't behave in improperly or in less than ideal ways. That doesn't mean you have to love them in spite of it, okay? But don't blame and you don't have to forgive, okay? Now, I've talked about that at length in the last couple of weeks. So look at, look at that and I couldn't speak about forgiveness without touching on that first. 
because too often we feel in our limited worldviews that you know people can be jerks and we are right to blame them and now we have to deal with forgiveness it's like wrong path okay but still you blame them and you're angry and you're resentful and they are threatening the very livelihood and the joy of your being because they are thundering around in your life, telling you lies, completely undependable. How can you build a, a home or joy when somebody's behaving like that? Uh, not easy, but here are some tools uh, for forgiveness. First, understand it's not you versus them. And very often what happens when somebody behaves in undesirable ways, and that happens all the time, we feel so threatened. It's like either that's my fault or that's their fault. And because they told the lie, clearly it's their fault. I'm angry at them. They're robbing me of opportunities. And so now they've said they're sorry and I'm supposed to move into forgiveness. Do you see how it was you versus them? You had all the authority and the wherewithal to point the finger at them. Uh, and then now you're stuck with having to forgive them. I've got a almost silly hypothetical for you right now. And uh, I hope this conveys what I want to share. And at first it is extremely naive. So hang in there, okay? And then let me clarify it. So let's say you're cruising down... Um, love avenue with a significant other and um, they one day tell you that they're not going to eat apples ever again and you're like oh that's uh that's odd but uh oh yeah okay i'm on board you don't want to eat apples i'm not going to tempt you nothing to do with adam and eve <clears throat> they're not going to eat apples anymore and they look at you in the eye and they say, I mean it. I mean it from the depths of my soul. I'm not going to eat another apple the rest of my life. And you're like, all right, okay, I believe you, man. I totally believe you. Four months, two weeks, and three days later, you wake up and you go to the kitchen and there's this apple core on the countertop. They failed. They lied. What do you do? You don't give a dang, do you? You're like, well, pfft, they broke their apple vow. What does that do to your life? Nothing. You know, it's, it's nothing. It's just like weird. Okay, I know that's weird. Hang in there. So now, next chapter, they look you in the eye and they tell you that there's no more lies, that there's no more cheating, that there will be no more affairs. And they mean it from, they mean it from the depths of their soul. No more lies no more cheating, no more affairs. Four months, three weeks, and one day later, you find out the horrible news that they have cheated. Okay. Now, when it came to eating an apple, you know, it was really clear to see that it was no skin off your nose. And you're just like, well, you've got this weird thing with apples and you're trying to balance your act. It's the same thing. You've got this weird thing with integrity with trying to prove your manhood or womanhood, with trying to show yourself that you still have power and options. So you're out there philandering and cheating and lying, and you don't even want to do that, this other, this person you're involved with, but they do it. This is entirely a reflection of them. 
It has nothing to do with your joy. It has nothing to do with your happiness. Um, hold on, hold on. I know what you're thinking. Okay, so, so you're in a relationship with them and they've committed to you and they want to live happily ever after with you and you want to live happily ever after with them, but now they're, they're philandering and they're lying and they're having an affair. I'm not saying it's okay that they did that. You know, it's not even okay that they had the apple after they lied to you about it. But look, they're going through their own lessons. What remains for you to do is to, to decide, do you want to deal with this? Is this going to create a foundation for the relationship you want or not? And if not, you part ways. You lovingly say, I see you have issues. Um, this is not going to be conducive to my joy and happiness. And my inner intuition and my logic are telling me that, you know, peace out, love you forever, but not in my house. That's not blame. That's not fearing, uh, feeling vulnerable and threatened. That's not jumping to conclusions that need not be jumped to and thereby you're not in a place where you have to forgive them. You're looking at forgiveness as a roadmap for them to behave better. And the reason you want them to behave better is because you're hinging your happiness on their decisions. You're hinging your own identity on their choices. It's like, don't do that. You can't do that in a great relationship and you don't want to do that in a, a challenging relationship. And it's not about blame or good or bad. We're all here learning lessons. Okay, so that was kind of a um, strange analogy. Uh, I, I was trying to make a point there. I don't know if I made it, but it's not about you versus them. And don't link, I guess point two, don't link your identity to their decisions. You can decide not to be part of them, part of their life. But if you feel like you need to make this work, the only way is if you forgive them. But they still may cheat on you. And so you've carried your lot and your desire for happiness and made it attached to their behavior. And when they go wrong, instead of saying adios amigo, you're like, I need you to apologize and then I'm going to forgive you and it's not easy because you're a lying two-faced son of a gun. And no wonder you have trouble forgiving. You've got everything in your life riding on the line because you think you don't have options, because you think it's a reflection of you, because you think the alternative is to blame yourself. Don't go there. Don't make it into something that it is absolutely not. Okay, so couple of other thoughts uh, that were kind of built into that. Don't attach your happiness to their behavior. Your happiness needs to be predicated on your behavior, your power, your recognition of the beauty in the world. And if you find a fellow traveler who you think shares those things with you, enjoy the ride. If they all of a sudden conk out and start lying, it's like, wow, you're not who I thought you were. This is not the house I want to build. I love you forever and goodbye. And it's not your fault versus my fault versus now I've got to ask you to apologize. And now, and the last point <clears throat> is number four. <clears throat> Stop trying to make other people who they are not. Now, I know you want to, and I know you want them to be a certain way, but they are what they are, and they're going through their lessons, and they're being baptized through fear and anger and folly. Okay, this is what they need to go through. Um, don't try to make them into something they are not because you will not succeed. So 
The only question is, can I roll with this behavior? Because if it showed up before, it might show up again. Am I willing to take that chance or do I want a more solid foundation? And it's not about blame or forgiveness or uh, apologies. It's about, you know, is this going to be the rock you want to build your life on? And if not, it's so cool. It's okay. There's so many great people out there. I've been there. I've gone through all of this. Uh, happy to say that for now, the ground is stable under my feet and I'm very much in love with my partner and uh, I think vice versa. I wish you that happiness. I wish you happily ever after. Uh, don't try to make people into something they are, aren't. Don't associate uh, their behavior with who you are. Don't think that if it's not their fault that it must be your fault. It's nobody's fault. You're all doing your best. You're all learning. You have infinite possibilities. You don't have to make it work with somebody. Let them go if it's more work and doesn't promise what it is that you most want out of the relationship. Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course, if you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!